Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Of course, in September, things are going to change drastically when everybody is going to be hopefully back to work again. But are you going to be back to work? Because some people may have started their job and they want you know, the right to remote learning or working, should I say. Plans by the government to draft new legislation and laws giving employees the right to ask to work remotely should also include the right to disconnect, according to legal experts from Trinity College Dublin. And to find out a bit more about the legislation around that, where you will stand legally if you're employed currently in an office and you still haven't gone back to work yet, particularly in the tech industry, etc., etc. I have Richard Grogan, who is an employment law solicitor. Good afternoon to you, Richard. Good afternoon, Anne. How are you? Okay, there's two issues here. Let's first of all talk about the right to remote working. Now, Leo Varad could kind of, you know, floated this one going back a few months ago. I think we, we talked about it briefly on the air, Richard, the last time. And it's going to be a difficult one because who defines whether you have to be in work or don't have to be in work? Right. Well, I'll answer that in the sense that let's take the situation where the employer says, I need you in, and the employee says, I can work remotely. So what's going to happen? Well, what's going to happen is it's going to go down to the WRC to determine matters. Now, at the present time, we don't know, will it be backdated situation? If you don't get it, do you get compensation? Or will it be like the banded hours ones, which means that nothing will happen until the WRC have ruled on it? So if it's that one that's brought in, then you're going to have a nice big fight down in the WRC and it'll take you about a year to get the case on. And in the so inter- by the way, in the interim, will you have to go to work? Well, in the interim, probably you will have to go to work. Because, okay. So it's, a, it's it, you know, look... Uh, this has been floated by the government as this great scheme that you're going to be able to require this. But, you know, the employment lawyers around Dublin are saying this is just going to be a litigation nightmare of... It's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Because, let let me give you an example. You've got, you know, the head of a sales in a building, for example, who says, well, I much prefer when my staff are here because I can give them an L boot in the bottom every now and again. I can look over the shoulder, put a bit of pressure on them. Whereas when they're at home, they're doing their own thing and I don't know what they're up to. I much prefer them to be in work. They're much more productive. Well, it, but really the issues that are coming in on this side are that, one, the cost of setting somebody up to work from home is about €2,000. But that can't be actually written off year one. That has to be written off over seven years. So that's a big cost for employers. Secondly, there's huge GDPR issues coming up because uh, the employer has a, a workplace. Everybody's there. They know what's happening. Somebody's at home and somebody looks at a computer and sees, you know, Niall Boylan's tax returns. Mm-hmm. Massive issue. Massive issue there. And then the other thing is that an awful lot of apartments that have been built aren't suitable for home working. Yeah. And that's a real problem. And that's a health and safety one. And the employer says, I just can't have you work from home. And I was speaking recently on this, and one person who, was, who does these reviews said that somewhere between 30 and 40% of premises that they're having reviewed do not comply with health and safety for people to work safely at home. So that's a huge issue And there. what are the tax implications? If you work from home, you're, then your home becomes your place of employment. And I remember this many years ago as a self-employed person, my accountant talking to me about this, and he said, be very careful what you claim for. Because if you claim for certain things, the Revenue Commissioner will say, well, that then becomes uh, not so much your home anymore, but your place of work. Thereby, if you end up in debt, they could literally take your home off you. There was implications, in other words, around that. And also, of course, as a self-employed person, you can claim back a percentage of your heating, your electricity, and all that kind of stuff. Whereas a PA a worker can't claim those things. So are we going to have to change tax laws, you know, and radically change them because we have a large percent of the population are now going to be working from home, particularly in the tech industry? Yeah, you're going to, yeah, that's the first thing that's going to have to be changed is the tax laws as regards the allowances and the rest. 
they're going to have to change the capital gains tax laws that if you're claiming an allowance for work performed that you don't end up with part of your property then deemed to be a commercial property and you That's don't what get he was talking about, private, yes. Yeah, yeah. Of private residence relief. Then you're going to also have the thing that employers have the issue under health and safety law that the workplace has to be at a particular temperature within a particular period of time <laughs> of you starting work. So now you're going to have employees saying, well, I have to heat the house. And the employer saying, well, you don't have to heat the house. You have to heat one room. Right. Now, so this is, or maybe you have to heat two rooms because you have to have the kitchen that you can go down and make a cup of... The canteen. Yeah. So, I mean, this is... There, this has been run through by the government. The government have run it through really from a civil service point of view on the basis that they're going to have people working in hubs rather than working from home ultimately. And for employers in the private sector, they're going to be having people working from home. And the real issue here is employment lawyers and health and safety lawyers like ourselves are scratching our heads and going, would somebody tell us what the plan is, how it's going to be done, what the tests are, um, what's the criteria, what's the checklist? We don't, we don't have these, and we have the data... So you're looking for a code of practice in relation to this, I suppose? Well, we, we're looking for a bit of clarity, because yeah. you have the Health and Safety Authority saying, for example, one thing about what could be done, and you have the code that, they, that they're talking about saying something different, and then you've got the Data Protection Commissioner saying, well, if somebody's working from home and somebody looks over the shoulder and sees where somebody is working and sees they're working on non-violence tax returns, the employer is responsible for that. So you've now got employers going to be having to ask an awful lot of private questions, like who's sharing the house with you? What's room and what, are you and in? what can they see? Yeah. And what can, they, what can they see? And a whole load of issues then about people having to close down laptops if they stand up. So it's beginning to become a bit of a, a nightmare. Now, great for employment lawyers because we'll be... You'll be you know, at the door. <laughs> we'll be at the door. Yeah, we'll have a queue. Yeah, absolutely. All two metres apart. But also, the GDPR issues are becoming absolutely massive at the present time. And this idea has been floated out. And it's a great idea. You know, the remote working, the blender working, it's absolutely great. But nobody's talking about supports for either the employees or the employer. So nobody's saying, look, you can... Okay, so there should be some sort of an allowance there for the employers to allow people to do that and to assist them, you know, to do that securely and do it properly. But of course, I I have a text here from somebody, for for example, who said, I only started in a job in the last five months. I've been working from home since the day I started. I have two children and also my mother lives in the house. She is very unwell. So it suits me perfectly. I'm dreading the fact that they might actually ask me to go to the office. So, because obviously there'd be cost implication to that and there'd be a social implication to that. So, will that person have a choice then? Well, it's going to depend on what their contract says. So, I mean, uh, this is an issue which, you know, employment lawyers like myself were drafting contracts left, right and centre and reviewing them for employees as well, left, right and centre, to advise as to what you're signing up. So, most employees just sign the contract on the salary and the holidays. You have to be actually looking at the other clauses as to, is there a lifestyle one in there or is your workplace, you know, at number one Main Street? And then the employer says, well, that's what you signed. Yeah, okay. So, what do you mean? so that's the get advice. Okay, so the, the answer people. to that question, Richard, is it's a complete and utter mess until they clarify the legislation and until everybody starts thinking together, i.e. the the, uh, the, say the health and safety, the data commissioner, and obviously your employers and everybody else all have to come together to come up with some sort of solution and plan. Otherwise, you're going to have a very busy office. Now, getting back to the other one, this is a report on the right to disconnect. So this has been a huge thing. They brought in legislation in France in relation to this. In other words, I go home, I leave here at four o'clock and my employer has no 
right to email me or to call me after I leave the office. Is that the whole purpose of that? Yeah, I mean, we already actually have this in this country because we have a thing called Section 17 of the Organisation of Working Time Act that says if, you're, if your hours are 9 to 5, then you have to give them uh, 24 hours notice if you want them to be working after that time. We have in this country what we call the US or British working system rather than the European one. The European one, if I try and phone a German lawyer at half past three on Friday afternoon, I'm not going to get them because I've gone home. They've done their 37 hours. Right, okay. They've gone off to play golf. They've got, well, they could have gone off. (laughs) Or squash or something like that. But 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 they're gone. So we've gone the American route and we have this thing that's coming out from the government. Oh, we have to have flexibility because of inward investment. Well, my answer to it is the Americans can get up earlier. Mm-hmm. That's my attitude. You know, like the, the position on it is we do have to have these boundaries. And the French have said, yeah, no emails after six o'clock. So if you've got an American company phoning, you know, or getting in touch with a French lawyer, well, they better make get up early and send it in. And I don't see any problem with that, that, you know, we've gone to a situation where 20 years ago, somebody walked out of the office or even two years ago, somebody walked out of the office. They didn't have an office mobile phone. They didn't have a laptop at home. And they, they so they couldn't the really be contacted, essentially. They couldn't, yeah. So we've now got a situation where everybody's saying, oh, productivity is up. Productivity is up because people are, are working much longer hours. And the issue on it is that you have to say, you know, I mean, I would know colleagues who uh, the, the work mobile phone lives in the workplace. So maybe that's the answer. We should all just have two phones, one that we give the boss the phone number of and one that we give our friends the phone number of. Well, and you just turn it off when you, well, when you leave. Can I say to you, this would be absolutely standard advice that I would give any employee, whether they're at the lowest level or at the top level. You have your personal mobile phone for your personal stuff, and you've got the work phone for the work stuff. And when the work, when you're finished your work, you turn it off. So, now, if, I, so if I ring you on this number after today at half past five, are you going to answer me, Richard? Well, I do, because I'm not covered by the organisation for working time. I, 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 and you want I'm, the work. <laughs> I, no, I'm called a managing, a managing executive. So, in other words, I don't get the benefit of the European legislation. But what I would say to you is um, I would have a, a private number as well. And if I decide to turn off my mobile, I turn it off. But the issue in relation to it is, in those circumstances, you know, we would have that in this office. We, people here have mm. two mobiles. But we have the, the home number for them or the home, their own person if there's an emergency that arises. So, you know, if somebody isn't in at, you know, half past nine in the morning, we have a number and the office number phone isn't answering. We have a, a number that we can contact. And, and them these at. are all, but, by the way, these are all more cases for the WRC because who is going to decide or define what is reasonable? For example, in my job, when I'm looking at news and current affairs over the weekend, maybe now and again, of stuff that I might want to do on a Monday, you know, Ashling might send me, my producer might send me a quick text, oh, did you see that story? We could do that Monday morning or whatever. So that realistically is still working to some degree, but that's the type of job we're, we're in and it's kind of on the go constantly all the time. Somebody, by the way, mentions, ask him about the legalities of employers monitoring people who work from home. Okay, so you're working from home, uh, say in a call centre, whatever it happens to be, and you're working from home and your employer, you know, gives you a quick message and says, I just noticed there, you know, you've only done five calls so far today and you're on them for three minutes each and uh, maybe you should book up a little bit there. The the idea that that your employer can monitor what you're doing through your laptop to remote access. Is there any legislation around that? Right, there is. I'm going to go back to the mobile phone because I'm going to tell you something that a lot of people aren't aware of when they're using their personal mobile phone. 
and that is if they're using a personal mobile phone for work purposes, there's a recent UK case where a judge uh, directed all the employees to hand over their mobile phones because to check was there any work-related issues on them related to a particular case that was running. So you mightn't really want everybody looking at your mobile phone. In relation to um, somebody being monitored by the employer, yeah, there's a lot of AI floating around at the moment and a lot of it is on computer systems. Not every employer actually even knows that it's there or that it's turned, or it might be turned on. But if an employer is monitoring like that, one, they have to tell you why they're monitoring. They have to get your consent. They have to have a valid reason for monitoring you. They have to have a, a policy in relation to that, the, the retention of that information, what it's been used for, who can look at it. It's a huge headache. Uh, there are huge GDPR issues with monitoring staff. I mean, I've heard of one employer who wanted to have every staff have the member have the a camera on on their laptop all day long. Mm-hmm. And the answer to that was, no, you can't do that. There isn't a legitimate reason for that. That's, the that's, that time, just sounds creepy to you, if you ask yeah, me. Yeah, well. it does. At the same time, though, what I would say to you, that's a GDPR issue. At the same time, though, you have there's actually a piece of health and safety legislation relating to lone workers. And so if you've got somebody who's a lone worker, i.e. working from home, the employer is supposed to monitor to make sure that they're safe. Okay. So you've got, so there's this monitoring. So there's conflicting legislation really around this, isn't there? Yes. Oh, absolutely. It, 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 well, you know, lawyers love conflicting legislation. Oh, I, I know you do. It keeps you busy. Yeah. Well, well, well we, 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 now, to be fair, we always point it out and say this needs to be rectified. It just nobody ever rectifies it. And that causes unnecessary problems for everybody. Well, and I, tell, I tell you, Richard, that. what I've learned from this interview. If I ever go out of the radio business and go into the employment law sector, because I think you guys are going to be very busy over the next five or six years, because we're going to see a huge change in society in the way we work, in the way we treat each other in employment. So I think you're going to have a lot of test cases, I suppose, is probably the well, we, we don't well, Actually, we don't want those, because what we actually want is, you know, the vast majority of employment lawyers like to have certainty, like to be able to advise employers and employees with a degree of certainty, because we're not here to create workplace conflict. We're here to get rid of workplace conflict. Yes, there are going to always be cases, but the you know the lawyers who deal with this, we have been pushing very, very strongly for very clear, precise, and non-contradictory evidence to help people get back to work and to save jobs and to save businesses. That's what we'd like to do. We don't want to see people out of work, and we definitely you don't want to be bringing somebody down to the WRC if it can be you know, clearly... If it can be avoided, right there, yeah. Well, listen, thank you very much indeed, Richard Grogan, Employment Law Solicitor and Specialist, and I appreciate you coming on the air today because, yes, it is something that's going to be affecting everybody over the next two years, I suppose, as we move out of this and as the government ramp up investment in the workplace and try to get us all back to work or those who are out of work. And sadly, probably before the end of this year, when the wage subsidies are removed, we're probably going to see some redundancies. That Don't don't get too excited or too worried about that, OK, because there will be jo- other job opportunities which will be created. I know it's difficult for those people who may lose their jobs. At the moment, many employers are relying on those subsidies and they may never regain some of their business because as you know the pandemic has done quite a little bit of damage to business but please look at it from a positive point of view and think of it as a change in your life and maybe you'll reskill and do something better or do something else um, and as Richard points out a lot of it may be a good thing you might be working from home some people think that's a good thing and a lot of people texting and says, oh, I don't want to work from home forever I'm sick looking at the wife and kids I'd rather go back to the job well that's your own issue alright and that, that's not something that I think Richard Grogan could sort out for you maybe you need to talk to a marriage counsellor about that one. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.